how do you price an ad on your channel? That's probably the most common question we get from other creators. And it was the biggest question we had when we first started on YouTube. So we're hosting a live workshop on how to price yourself. This is everything that we've learned in the past 13 years of being on YouTube and our simple three-step process that'll help you develop concrete pricing. So if you wanna join us for this live session, just go to colinandsamir.com slash live. Enter your email and you'll get all the information about our live event on May 9th. All right, hope you enjoy this episode of The Colin and Samir Show. You know, we had so many conversations about what we wanted this podcast to be about. And for me, that was something that was so important was that I reach people like myself that work in an office setting or that sit in a cube and they watch all these YouTube videos about people doing the things that they want to do. And I want them to know that it is possible and it's possible by cold outreach. It's possible by, you know, having the willingness and the drive to, to go out and just get it done. You know, you are your own entrepreneur of your life business, right? And your life resume. This week on the Colin and Samir podcast, we want to explore a concept that comes up a lot in our conversations with filmmakers and entrepreneurs, and that's cold outreach. Whether it's a phone call, email, text message, or DM, cold outreach is a staple of every entrepreneur's story to success. For those of you who don't know, Colin and I met through a cold email. I actually saw some videos that Colin was making and decided to send him an email. After a few months of working together remotely, he actually ended up moving to Los Angeles to work on our first project together, the Lacrosse Network. Cold Outreach is also what sparked the creation of this podcast that you're listening to right now. In 2017, Colin and I were on the receiving end of Cold Outreach from someone named Madison Dye. Madison is an aerospace engineer here in Los Angeles. He has no previous experience with working on a podcast. So how did he grab our attention? And why did we enter into a creative partnership immediately after we all sat down for coffee? We answer those questions on this podcast, and we also talk about how to turn your ideas into action, which oftentimes starts with a cold email. One quick note on this episode, Colin is actually in New Jersey right now spending time with family, so he'll be back on the podcast next week. All right, enjoy our conversation with aerospace engineer and Colin and Samir podcast producer, Madison Dye. All right, we are now at, what, the 13th episode of the Colin and Samir podcast? 13. 13th episode, and I'm sitting here with Madison Dye. Madison is really the reason we started this podcast, so we wanted to have him on this week, introduce him, and talk a little bit about taking ideas and putting them into action. Pleasure to be here. Thanks well, for having me. One of the coolest things I've seen is that Maddie actually rolled up here on a motorcycle, and I learned more about Madison um, every time we spend time together because six months ago, we didn't know each other. Not at all. And I'll tell you, riding a motorcycle in Los Angeles isn't without its challenges, especially getting to the studio here in downtown. So that was a fun morning. Oh boy. Yeah. So, um, why don't we just start with where you're from, uh, how you came across us, you know, how did we, how did, how did this happen? How are we sitting here today? Yeah, perfect. So, I grew up in Dallas, Texas, a suburb called Frisco, and uh, throughout high school, I kind of struggled to find my niche. I ran cross country, I did a little track, I played soccer, but I never really excelled until I found the sport of lacrosse. And, you know, if you know lacrosse, you know Colin and Samir, they are, you know, consistently pushing the envelope on digital creation, but especially, you know, they started out in the sport of lacrosse. And... I went to college to play club lacrosse at the University of Oklahoma 
And for my entire time there, I followed them, I followed their journey, and it motivated me to go out to the field every day and put in the work and you know, hopefully get to the level that I saw the people they were hanging out with. So how did you end up in, in Los Angeles? So after school, after University of Oklahoma, I took a job out in the desert for an aerospace company in Tucson, Arizona. And luckily enough, I put in my time there and got an offer to move out to their LA base and jumped at the opportunity to get some more with a little bit of better climate. So right now you, you're working in aerospace engineering, correct? That's right. So v- very different from uh, video creation, but we actually ended up connecting over a cup of coffee because Maddie sent us an email. So uh, tell me about that process. You know, you, you had been watching our content through college, but um, hadn't sent us an email until earlier this year, just a couple months ago. So um, to tell us about that process of like, okay, I, I'm, I'm, I like these guys' content. I've been following them for some time, and now I'm compelled to put it into text and, and write an email. Definitely. I think cold email has always been something that my father taught me was always on the table. Uh, you never know who's going to respond. You never know who's going to see it. And it's just an email. What can ever go wrong? Um, so it's funny. I've sent you guys a few emails over, over the, the small time that I've been in L.A., um, you know, I'll, I'll start with the first one that we actually connected over was uh, about the now boarding project that you guys were putting mm. together. And I, my area in aerospace is within manufacturing, and I was interested in the way that you guys were putting the boards together. You guys were sitting in a warehouse and screwing all the parts together and getting all the inventory shipped to you. And it was interesting to see, but you know, the way I thought of it is if you have 10 friends and they have 10 friends and you can give anybody a little amount of money just to screw some wheels in, um, you guys can have your own assembly line at their own house. And you, know, you were super interested in the idea, super interested in how um, people were doing this nowadays at a corporate level. And uh, we kind of just shared some ideas and it was a quick email chain. And I added a little bit of value to you know, a project that I wasn't really connected to through cold outreach. Uh, but fast forward, you know, I keep following you guys. I keep seeing that you know, we're both in LA and we're, our paths cross. We were kind of in the same spots at different times. Um, and then, you know, I hear that you guys are interested in podcasts. Podcasts are getting more, more common and I'm listening to more podcasts. I'm stuck in traffic more. I'm walking my dog, I'm doing the dishes and podcasts are just a huge part of my life. And, you know, watching you guys on YouTube was a huge part of my life. And then I said, there's gotta be a way that we can connect these things. And with the extra time that I have, you know, 20 minutes in the morning, 20 minutes at night, I can host a podcast. I can edit on the weekends and I could be you know, somebody that can add value to that project. So I thought, you know, what the hell, and send them an email and see if they're interested. Uh, see if they've been thinking about creating their own podcast and, you know, audio-based content. So, yeah, so that, that gives you guys some really good context as to how we met and, and how this is happening right now, how we're sitting here. Um, Colin and I had been talking about a podcast for actually years. Um, we, we had been really interested in it for years. But a lot of times it's, collaborating with someone else that that pushes us over the edge to actually do it you know uh, I mean we had been talking about getting in an RV and taking a road trip for a long time but we didn't do it until um, Jack Coyne invited us to do it right and so there's a lot of things that sometimes um, for us we connect with someone and they kind of push us over the edge to actually take that step into a project that we wanted um, to take so the one thing I wanted to talk about and go back to is you, you talked about cold email I think there's a really good correlation between having the willingness to send a cold email and actually growing up playing sports. Because I think that 
like you just said, there's like nothing to lose really. And I think that there's some sort of um, mentality of like shoot your shot, right? Like just if if, if you don't, if you don't shoot it, uh, like it's never going to potentially go in. For me, it all goes back to that Wayne Gretzky quote. That's you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. I think Michael Scott said that on The Office too. So there's a lot of credit where it's due. Yeah, a lot of people have said that. (laughs) But yes, Gretzky said that. And yeah, I mean, it's such a cliche sports thing, but it's a hundred percent correct. You miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take. So, um, you know, you, you could have had that idea of, of starting a podcast with us and not sent an email. I mean, that, like that happens nine out of 10 times, right? Some like there's probably other people, part of our audience. There's probably times where I've had an idea for someone and, and not sent an email. Um, but when you do send it, anything can happen. That's right. Um, but if you don't send it, then nothing. Exactly. Right? And so I think that that's a really interesting culture. Um, but just to go back to, the fact that you sent that email, but you moved to Los Angeles for aerospace engineering. That's right. So talk to us a little bit about that. Like for me, when I hear that, I'm like, how could you possibly have the mental space or the desire to take on more work, um, to take on more projects than, than what you already have? Because for me, that sounds really overwhelming. Right. So that's, that's a big reason why I sent you guys the email um, was to balance out my life to a certain degree. I have a lot of creativity that I wasn't being able to put into my work now. So working in an aerospace industry, there are a lot of people that are a lot smarter than me that's sitting at the top that are flowing their designs down the level and I just get to act on a design and it's awesome building, you know, from start to a finished product. Um, But you know, there's something else to where you're able to take the creativity that you have inside and put it to your own vision. Um, and that's what I wanted to move more towards with my cold outreach, right? So that email let me open up creatively and gave me the opportunity to be more creative from my starting point rather than somebody else's. Very interesting. So yeah, I mean, I, I think it's fascinating to me, people who um, you know work in, work in other industries and, and have a desire. I think everyone is inherently creative. Um, and not everyone, not everyone has an outlet or knows really how to have an outlet. Um, my brother worked as a lawyer, a corporate lawyer, um, in a big firm for a long time. And during that time he wrote a poetry book because he was just like, you know, working as a corporate lawyer, he just, he just was like really, really desired, um, a creative outlet. And he ended up writing a book and publishing it. And I was like, this is incredible to watch, um, someone who's in such a, um, a, a field that requires so much of you um, and, and has so much more. And I think that's the same for right. you. And, you know, I'll, I'll take that all the way back to sports, right, is sports has shown me that if you have the engine for it, you can keep going with more and more and more, and people will keep giving you more and more and more if you can handle it. And I felt like I've overloaded myself with sports since you know kindergarten till college that when they were gone i still had so much extra energy yeah. just from all the sports i had played um so going to work you know just the seven to five o'clock grind wasn't enough for me i was hungry for more and i was hungry to move my life in a different direction and that was to flow out my internal creativity and not to act on somebody else's mm, really cool so let's talk about the cold email itself because you know you had sent you had just said it you, you had sent us a couple emails we had exchanged emails but there was something about this email um, that, that, that you sent us about the podcast that pushed us to have coffee within a couple days. And once we sat down and met each other face to face and had coffee, um, then things started getting put into action. So, you know, I have some thoughts around cold emailing. A lot of my 
experiences, a lot of Colin and my uh, success has, has been due to cold outreach, cold email, um, getting ourselves in a room, getting connected to people. So talk to me about the cold email. Do you have a strategy behind when you send a cold email to someone? Is there a way you structure it? You, you talked about providing value. You know, talk to me about why you think a cold email can be successful. That's 100% right. I think a big part of it is you have to add value in some way. Um, I'm not looking just to be a part of a project. I'm looking to drive change within a project and, you know, be valuable. Um, so that the first part of working together with you guys was sending the initial email that was the value part of it so that I could get that rapport and put that value tag next to my name so that when my name popped up the next time, you guys knew that, I gave you something for nothing because I just want you guys to be successful and I want to add value where I can. So the next time, whether you realized it or not, there was maybe that connotation next to my name where you said, hey, this guy's providing value to us. He wants to provide value to us and he's not looking for much in return. He's just looking to you know, flow his creativity and be partners in this next venture. Mm, yeah. So there, there's a... Uh something really interesting about that, about providing value. You know, when we were on the road with Jack Coyne, um, just to bring him up again, he was, he had just told this story on his YouTube channel about how he started working with Casey, uh, with Casey Neistat. And the way he started working with him is he offered to be his intern for free because um, yep. he loved his content. Um, so, you know, th the one thing that you think about is th there's definitely that providing value aspect of it. It, it has to be hit with timing. Right. Of course, but you know there, there's something that we talked about in a Ryan Holiday book on our YouTube channel about creating a uh, price disparity to your product, right? Which means something that normally should cost X, you should provide the value of you know ten times X. Um, that creates something that's conversational. Exactly. So uh, you know, sending an email, reading an email that that just costs me some time. Right. But if you can provide value, and you did in that email about about forties and about uh, manufacturing, I was really fascinated by that. Um, now that has become like a, a serious value to me because my investment was very low. So exactly. that that's just like some Great thoughts point. around whether it's like a product you're creating or even an interaction. Um, that's something that to keep in mind of how does something become top of mind? How does something become conversational? Um, so that's, that's a really good example. Yeah. And, and we're not going to open every single email. You right. know, unfortunately, we don't have um, the time right now to do that because it's just Colin and I. We don't have the time to open every single email, respond to everyone, but there are certain things that you can do. So let's talk about now right. the, the next time you, you email us. and you got to open with uh, your, your ask right away. Uh, you can't put in a long-winded, uh, you know, backstory about, you know, your grandfather 300 years ago and blah, right. blah, blah. You know, you need to get to your ass quick. And, you know, I got to give him more credit where it's due is that Gary Vee is the master at all this, right? Mm -hmm. He has been preaching for forever, add value. And if you're not adding value, you're not going to be worth it. And there's no problem with cold outreach. And he he kind of exemplifies this and you know that's kind of where i've taken a few cues when i've been paying attention to the digital marketing side of things is that i needed you guys to to see the ask quickly and to know whether you'd be interested to read the rest or not so i didn't waste any time giving you a ton of background about myself i started off with hey guys have you thought about doing a podcast and you're going to read that and say oh we have actually that's crazy do we know you how do you know that we've been thinking about that and right. then that's going to drive you to read the rest of the email. Mm. 
Yeah, that's really interesting. So I, I agree with you. Like, so the the longer the email on a, especially on a first outreach, it's like, I mean, the, the percentage chance that, that we're going to read it is, is pretty low if it's very long. Um, you know, obviously some of those are really good stories and sometimes we do come across something and that's all timing. Um, if we have the time to invest in that, but you know, a short, the, the, the top of the email is really important. The subject line is incredibly important. That's right. Um, but like the, you know, for me, what I've learned is that if you start with something about the other person, mm-hmm. there's a higher percentage chance that they're going to respond to you. Hundred percent. So, so, you know, make make the first line about them, not about you. That's right. Right. That's exactly right. And I'll I'll touch on the subject line of our email. It was not, hey, have you thought about doing a podcast? It's a little too long, right? Mm-hmm. You're scrolling through your inbox. What are they going to see? And I remember specifically, the title was just podcast game. And that was it. Mm. And I think that leaves a little mystery to it. Like, hmm, what could that mean? But in this context, it was, are you on your podcast game? Do you listen to them? Are you on one? Right. Are you starting one? Uh, your your crowd and me being part of that crowd is asking for it because we want to know more about you guys. And mm. we want to be more connected with you. And we think you're really intelligent. And we want to listen to what you guys are doing during parts of our day where, you know, we could not like what we're doing. Like I said before, mm. when I'm doing the dishes, when I'm walking the dog, when I'm doing whatever, I could be learning from Colin and Samir and their drive and their ambition and their doing what they're doing. I could be learning. Hmm. That's, that's really cool. So yeah, a, a subject line of an email is, is no different than the title of a YouTube video. Exactly. Um, and that, that's a really important thing as you're, as you're getting into creating things online or, or trying to grow your yourself from as a content creator or as someone who's trying to put an idea into action, um, you know, businessman, whatever it is, you know, a subject line of an email or a title of a YouTube video, those are incredibly important things to think about and think about why would someone click it? And like you said, mystery and drama, those are like huge things in storytelling, right? Like, I need to create a situation where there's inherent drama, where I'm like, I need to know what happens next. And creating a subject line of, of a, of a uh, email where you need to know what happens, that's really important. Like, I need to be a part of this. Definitely. Um, so, yeah. So, I think that's a, a, a really important part of the equation. And, you know, YouTube titles, thumbnails, um, everything about it. That's right. So, And that also goes along with, you know, I'll touch on little things. If you're sending an email, you got to know your audience. So if you watch Colin and Samir's videos, they're always on iPhones, right? They're not on Android devices. So I make sure that my tagline and my name in an iCloud account shows up normally, mm-hmm. right? You don't want to see like a, a 12357ZQ at hotmail.com email address. <laughs> you want to make sure that it's yeah. my personal name and you're right, associating right. my name with that tagline. Yeah, yeah. And I don't have a sent for my iPhone tag at the end. I just have my name and my signature, right? Mm. So you got to keep things professional if you're doing a professional ask. Yeah, and I think I think we're at this point. We're in 2018, right? So like all of this is done on the internet, and and most of people's days are now spent on their phone or on the internet. So to stand out is actually a lot harder exactly. um, than it ever has been before. 100%. To stand out is is really challenging because you're in a in a world with so much coming out each person. That's right. You know, I mean, if you're if you're trying to um, get into someone's email inbox, it's likely that they have hundreds of new emails. That's right. Um, every morning. Yep. So, you know, to stand out is actually really challenging. And it's the little things that are going to get people to either read or not read your emails. I get LinkedIn requests all the time. I get LinkedIn messages from recruiters all the time. But if I see a little recruiter verified thing on LinkedIn, I know that they're not reaching out to me because 
I'm the best candidate. They're just extending their reach to the next thousand people that are in my, mm-hmm. uh, in, in my line of work. Um, so it's the little things and making sure that you're actually showing who you really are and what you really want in your email uh, with the little things like your address or your name showing up properly or your tagline or structuring the email to be short and sweet and get that ask through. Yeah, absolutely. So you, you've sent us the email, we, you know, we responded and we actually immediately set up a time to meet for coffee. Um, right. Now what? Now, now what do you do when, when that gets, you know, you had an idea, you sent an email and now it gets turned into a physical embodiment of that. Now you're going to meet for coffee. That's right. So I'd say step zero was probably having the idea, right? That first uh, aha moment where it's like, oh, this could be a thing. And then, you know, step one is sending that cold outreach email uh, or text or somebody that knows somebody making a call, whatever it is. And then I think step two would be that initial meetup that we had, right? Uh, Where we were like, all right, let's get coffee and let's see what this can be. And as the person going into the situation with the offer, I had two things that I had to, to show to you guys. And that was what you can expect if you go into business with me and then how am I gonna do it? And for somebody with very little creative experience, I had to do that in a very interesting way. And that was through my life resume, right? What can I show you guys that you can kind of transform onto a creative platform, but that I've already completed. So I shared with you my personal career in the aerospace industry. And I said, hey, I've managed big budget projects before. I can do this too. And then I also said, I have an unreal motor. I have time in my day. You guys are gonna have doubt that I can have a full-time job, that I can live with my girlfriend and take care of my dog and you know, drive to work and do all these little things and also take care of the podcast. And I proved that by, you know, I just ran an Ironman race. Like I've got time. I'll wake up at five. I'll go to bed at 1am and we'll, we'll figure it out. And I know that 24 hours is a long day. And if I work hard enough, I can put it all in there and get things done. That's a, that's an amazing point that, that I want to touch on. So if you guys don't know this, Colin and I met through cold outreach. So I saw a video that Colin made and I reached out to him um, because I thought the video was really good. Now, I was very um, aggressive at this time in my life and I I was, you know, starting a a business and um, wanted people like like him involved. That was the first video he ever made. We started talking and I wanted him to move out to Los Angeles and become our creative director for our company. And he did that after, you know, three months of, of working together remotely, he ended up moving to Los Angeles and became our creative director. Now I tell this story a lot because Colin was not a film major. He was not a video creator before he started making these videos that I saw. Um, so it had, he had been a, making videos for three months of his entire life. And he came in and became the creative director of our company. And I attribute a lot of our success to his ability to create and to think outside of the box because he wasn't in the confines of film school or anything like that. But the thing about Colin that I noticed and the thing about you that I noticed as well and the, the number one thing we look for when it comes to collaborating with a team member or hiring someone um, comes down to your appetite and your desire to work. And the, the reality is that we like to work with people who um, create as a hobby. Um, who, who look at something like, you know, hey, I want to manage this podcast as something fun to do. Because if you find someone who's really incentivized by just creation because it's fun, you're going to have a really good time creating with that person. And 100%. it doesn't matter if they have any experience. You, you had never done a podcast before. We had never done a podcast before. Never. 
you know, we, we don't come from the, the school of thought that we need to go find a podcast expert to launch our podcast with. We just come from the school of thought of, is there going to be someone who's super energized to figure it out? Because oftentimes, if you don't come from the podcast space, but you want to spend your time figuring it out, you're actually going to think a lot more creatively. I mean, you've sent us ideas that are really out of the box, like the Alexa briefing that you sent us, right? Exactly. Like you've shared with us stuff that if we worked with someone who's really um, experienced in podcasting, they might not even think of that kind of stuff. So, uh, you know, one thing for, for me that I wanted to say is that if you are someone who feels like you want to work in a space, but you don't have experience and maybe that's stopping you from putting something into action, the reality is is that if you are willing to work and you show that you're willing to work, and we, we got that from our first coffee, we, I got that from your just life experience and your willingness to come drive an hour across town to have a cup of coffee with me um, on like a morning's notice. I could tell that you were like someone who absolutely wanted to do this, was going to do this for a hobby and was going to put themselves into this project no matter what. Definitely. And I would encourage people... Uh, you know, that do that cold outreach and are getting to this, this coffee moment uh, to bite off a little bit more than you can chew because you're, you're exactly right. I didn't know how to run a podcast. I didn't know how stuff gets put on Spotify and iTunes and I didn't do any of that research beforehand, but I had a good deal of confidence in myself that I could figure it out. I, I've said this before on the podcast and um, I, I said something, I, I've heard it a ton of times, but entrepreneurship is jumping off of a cliff and, and building a airplane on the way down or building a parachute on the way down. 100%. Um, and that, that's with any idea. Like jumping into it, you're going to figure it out once you're already in it. We're still figuring it out, exactly. right? Like we're still uh, tweaking it and fine tuning it. We're 13 episodes in and like probably won't really find our, our groove until 100 episodes. And then the next 100 episodes will be even better than that. And like it's just a process of, of jumping into it. And, um, you know, I just want to reiterate that that it really Colin and I would not have jumped into this without Maddie's email. Um, it would have been a lot harder for us to do that. So whether you're on the other side of, of this, thinking about an idea um, that you want to give to someone or, or collaborate with someone on, or if you're someone who receives an idea, just, you know, think about that from a collaboration perspective. There's just so much that can happen when the timing is right and it's positioned in the right way. Definitely. Okay, so we've talked a lot about what to do in a cold email or, or what to do when you're um, connecting with someone. What, what about some don'ts? What are some things to avoid when you're uh, reaching out to someone? What have, what have been some things that you've sent cold outreach and you've not gotten a response and, and why? You know, in my, my younger days, I'm only 25, but I'll say in my younger days, uh, I think one of the big things is trying to oversell to somebody that might not be that interested. Um, I don't think you should force things. I think you should let things happen quite organically. And like I said, you need to get to the ask very quick. Um, so if I was coming after Colin and Samir, I wouldn't try and oversell myself as something I'm not. I'm not going to tell them that I'm a creative genius that knows the YouTube algorithm and the Instagram algorithm that I can get them more, blah, 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 blah. No, that's not what it's about. What it's about is I know my value and I'm going to tell them what I can do personally. And if it's not a good fit, that's okay. It's not a good fit and we're not going to force it. It needs to be an organic partnership that's going to benefit both people. That's really good. I think that might be the number one what to avoid. I think there's obviously things like don't write a super long email on your first email because it's going to be challenging to read and get through. Um, but what you just said is really interesting is, is um, understanding 
the other side, um, understanding how you honestly can support or interact or what your honest ask is. Um, what, what do you want out of this interaction? Um, and then presenting it in a way that's um, actually digestible and, and makes sense uh, for, for the other people to respond to. So I, I think that was that might be the number one thing. I, I, I think for me and my experience, um, a lot of times when I haven't gotten a, a response back is because it's a lot of it's a lot. It's a very like self-focused, meaning I spend a lot of the outreach talking about myself. Agreed. And, and when that happens, that oftentimes uh, just doesn't really translate. Um, you know, so, so when you're reaching out to someone, it's it's more about um, them and, and, and how you can add value rather than your life story. Right. Or, and, and I oftentimes tell my life story to try and seek some sort of validation, I think, from the other side. I do the same. I yeah, agree. To say like, okay, like th- this is what I've done in my life, so you should feel like you want to work with me now. Right, exactly. Um, and that's, that's just not really how it, how it works. Not at all. And I, I have done the exact same thing. And I think, you know, refining my craft of cold emails because of the feedback I've gotten from performing in those ways, that's how we've gotten to where we are today for sure. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think the reality is like for me over time, I, I've dropped a lot of ego in those interactions where it's like, I'm not, I'm not like the, the answer to all of your questions, right? right. Like I, if I have an idea, I'm, I'm here to collaborate and I'm here right. to, um, yeah, provide and value. I'd love to touch on the ego point of that. You know, I work in a very egocentric environment in the sense that everybody is very, very smart and very, very intellectual. Um, and if you don't know your stuff, you're going to feel out of place in that environment, in the technical realm. And it was crazy to come to a new environment where I've never worked on a big creative project before. I've never been responsible for this type of product output and to work with uh, professionals like Colin and Samir that this is their day to day. This is what they live. And I'm coming in here with zero experience and it is very humbling and you need to check your ego at the door and realize that you are learning from the best and you know, you need to be in a position to receive information and not think that everything that you say is value added. You need to learn. Sometimes you need to take that back seat and listen. That's very nice of you to say. Uh, I think on the other side of that, Colin and I feel the same way that uh, oftentimes we're sitting here and we're learning from you. Um, you, you came to the table, the first uh, real like, like tactical podcast meeting we had, we had a ton of research from you about podcasts. We were able to look through a deck and learn so much from you and, and the way that you work. And so I think in, in any uh, partnership, creative um, collaboration or um, ideas, you, you always have so, so much to learn. There's, there's no one in the room who's like the um, end all be all. Like there's certain people who have more experience in some places than exactly. others, but everyone has something to learn from each other. Um, and and that's, a, that's another really important thing is that when you have an idea and you bring other people on board, um, just because it's your idea doesn't mean that you are now the the uh, you know end all be all creative. Hundred percent like, agree with you. If you bring someone else in the room, then you're you're asking for them to be a true collaborator, right. and you sh- you need to be very open for uh, to learning from them, to um, having their experiences come into your idea and and actually like make it a true collaboration. That's right. And I think that's what we have here. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're very open and, and interested in learning from you. And I would open that up a little bit more and say that our audience, we consider our audience collaborators in everything we do. Um, you know, we oftentimes ask questions on our Twitter or on our YouTube and, and have our audience members chime in. 
Um, and we ask that of you on, on this podcast. If you want to review the podcast or tweet at us or email us with feedback, um, you guys are also collaborators in this project as well. Right. Um, we, we, we are presenting ideas to you on a regular basis and asking you to give us feedback and asking you to interact with the podcast. That's right. Um, you know, we get natural feedback on, on YouTube or Instagram through um, engagement and interaction. But, you know, here on, on this podcast, there's an opportunity for you guys to be a part of this project as well. Um, and, and that's truly what we want. We want to learn more from, from you, Maddie. We want to learn more from our audience. So you talked about driving change in a project. And so I just wanted to talk a little bit about this project, the podcast as a whole, so far, what has been the experience of working with us? What's been the experience of um, starting a podcast? What have you learned now from this process? And uh, wh- what do you think about the project moving forward? So it's been very interesting. I've learned various things, but one of the main ones being autonomy in my work through school, through college, you know, you get a little bit of that. You have to study, but you're still on a schedule. You show up to class, you do your work, and you get a, your first big boy job. Uh, you sit in a cube, you know, you have an eight to five, you know when to show up, you know when to do the work, you know when it's due. Um, but this is a whole nother level of, there's an end goal of an episode being released every week, and then there's nothing in the middle. There's no office, there's no uh, boss, there's no manager, there's nothing except what you are willing to put on your own plate. And that has been super interesting for me, but it's also been super helpful in my career now. Mm. Uh, it's, it's allowed me to be more autonomous in my work and treat my work, even though it's for a bigger company and you know, a way bigger company than I could ever imagine. Uh, I am still my own entrepreneur of my career. I can go and navigate in between the confines of the building and find interesting projects and carry them out exactly like I do this podcast. Mm, that's really interesting. Yeah. Cause sometimes it, it might be challenging to think when you're in someone else's company or in another structure that you're not actually your own entrepreneur or you're not actually your own, um, you know, businessman that, that can really take control of your situation. But the reality is that you are. Exactly. And I think that's something that was really important to me doing this podcast. You know, we had so many conversations about what we wanted this podcast to be about. And for me, that was something that was so important was that I reach people like myself that work in an office setting or that sit in a cube. And, you know, they they watch all these YouTube videos about people doing the things that they want to do. And I want them to know that it is possible and it's possible by cold outreach. It's possible by, you know, having the willingness and the drive to to go out and just get it done. You know, you are your own entrepreneur of your life business, right? And your life resume. Uh, you can go within the confines of your own company and find new projects and find new things that you're interested in. You're never stuck in just one rut. And my industry and my college background and everything in my life, none of it has ever been about podcasts or filming or recording, nothing but something I've always been interested in. And taking that leap off the cliff and building the airplane on the way down was the best thing I could have done that ties back to all my other life experiences of managing projects and then just moving forward. So how does uh, aerospace engineering, uh, now that you look at you know, working with us on a creative project like a podcast, how, how do you uh, relate the two? Are they related? Like, Is your work as an aerospace engineer similar to your work now um, building this podcast? Like, Tell me about that. I would say that these two things are entirely related when I got to the level that I am now when I see myself as an entrepreneur of my own career and career development. I, just like the cold outreach for the podcast, I send cold outreach emails to people in my business units all the time. 
and my greatest career advancements have been from getting coffee within people I didn't know in my office. I think that content creation and creativity is just, it's all like problem solving, right? hundred percent. I mean, even if you look at this podcast at the, at the simplest level, um, you know, we, every week we have a situ- like a, a, a problem that needs a solution, which is we need an episode. Right. right? And so like, it, it's not like a problem of like incredible worry. Like it's not like a life or death situation, but it's like, okay, we, we need a solution every week. And then once you get into it, okay, now like the, the, the conversation and like putting together the, the edits, the, the intro, the outro, like all of it requires solutions, um, on an ongoing basis. And that's oftentimes, um, in, in video creation or anything with an idea, an idea is actually the idea creates a, a, a problem that needs a solution. Because the idea is something in your mind and, and what you need is the solution to bring it to life. Exactly. You, you need to now create situations where now, okay, I can take that out of my mind and, and, and put it into some sort of physical embodiment of it or, right. or tangible uh, embodiment of that idea. Exactly. So film, filmmaking is all problem solving. I mean, even at the, at the base level of like, okay, this, this shot needs more light or like I need to use maybe this different lens to get this shot. Right. Um, so I think that there are, you know, relationships. If, if you think that you're working in a field um, that might not be as creative as you think, it actually probably is because at the, at the core of it, it's just problem solving. That's exactly right. So now you've been in LA um, and, and you work in aerospace. You're, you, you ran an Ironman, um, which is very impressive. <laughs> Appreciate it. How, what was that? So the Ironman, um, so I worked at a, long story short, I worked at a pool when I was, you know, 16, 17 in high school. Some guy walked in with an Iron Man tattoo and I was like, what is that? Like, that's an interesting symbol. And I asked him about it. And he was like, oh yeah, I did the Iron Man in Canada. And I was like, oh, tell me about that. What is it? Um, you know, it is a 2.4 mile swim, 112 mile bike ride, and then running a full marathon. And my jaw dropped and I was like, people can actually do those things. Like that sounds insane. Um, I had run cross country at the time, so maybe I've run, you know, 10 miles in a day before, and that still sounded insane to me. And since, you know, 16, 17 years old, it's been something that I've wanted to do because I've seen that as the epitome of what an athlete could be, right? Both my parents had run marathons, so I knew that was possible. Uh, but this was a whole nother level on top of that. So, you know, every year I would kind of cruise the boards, um, when I was 18, 19, 20, going through in college and, I, I would look at all the Ironman boards and be like, wow, like these races are in crazy places. Like, how could I ever get there? How do you train for these things? And, you know, overburdened by problems when you want the solution of actually doing mm-hmm. an Ironman race. Right. And, you know, it wasn't until I finally got on my own out of school um, and, you know, could afford my own rent and afford my own stuff where I, I said to myself, OK, there's no excuses now. I have all the equipment that I need to be able to do this, how do I do it? And I started solving the problems. I started saying, okay, I need to find a good pair of shoes. Got a pair of shoes. I need to find out how to get a bike. Got in touch with a, an Austrian dealer who gave me a good deal on a bike. And, you know, I got half off the bike. And these were just small little problems that I was able to solve that made it easier and easier to achieve my goals. I found a gym that did 5 a.m. morning training every single day of the week. And I I drove myself to meet my end goal. I said, I have to be able to do uh, swim this far. I have to be able to run this far. I have to be able to bike this far. And then I just started picking away and solving each little problem as it stood in front of me. And, you know, that ended up taking nine months. And I ended up doing the race finally in Santa Rosa, California. And it was life changing. I think within sports and within business, it's the change over time where you see the most growth. 
that a good way to say that? Yeah, I think so. I mean, if you think about even content creation, right? Like the most fun part about watching a YouTube channel over a long period of time is, is watching them evolve and watching them change. And, you know, oftentimes you hear someone with an artist, a, a mu musician, like someone who's a fan. If that musician blows up, they're very, they have a lot of pride around saying, and like, being oh, there from the beginning. Yeah. Oh, I, I used to watch them when you know, there was no one in the crowd or when 100%. they were only getting 100 views or yeah. something. And like, there's a lot of pride in, in witnessing an evolution. That's right. Um, and so I think that what you just said is like the change over time, that's yeah. like the most amazing thing that can happen. And that's right. And, you know, being uh, great at something or, or, having an idea actually come to fruition oftentimes takes a lot more patience than you think. 100%. Um, you and I were just talking about this right now. We have 13 episodes of this podcast. Feels like we've been doing this for a really long time. And it would be really easy uh, for someone, I could see that in like 13 weeks of time to be like, okay, you know what? Like maybe this isn't working out with any idea. Right. But the reality is what we, you and I had talked about was that if someone stumbles across this podcast, and they wanted to listen to it every day, they couldn't even do that for a month yet. That's right. That means we don't even have enough content for them to, to listen to this podcast for a month, exactly. which means like, man, we have to be a lot more patient to really feel this out. Like we need a hundred episodes before we can really even start to see some sort of movement and change. So anything that you're trying to do, and I think athletics is such a good example of that. Um, waking up every day at 5 a.m., it's not gonna happen in, in two weeks. Right. Um, you know, training for an Ironman, it's not gonna happen in two weeks. How long did that take? Nine months. Nine months, there you go. Nine long months, and that, that's exactly right. It is, you know, maintaining that drive to continue the work throughout that growth process, and each time you see incremental change, it's rewarding, and that's mm -hmm. how our, you know, human reward system works, is seeing that you are better today than yesterday. So let's talk about some uh, advice for anyone out there listening who has an idea and wants some help putting it into action. Um, you know, obviously there's, we, we talked a lot about cold emails. We talked yeah. a lot about, you know, uh, change over time. So um, you, you have an idea and you want to put it into action. What's the next step? Write it down. I mean, right here, I have a journal out. You have a journal out. We're taking notes during this. We took notes before taking notes all day, every day. I can flip through this book and, I can go to the exact date that I had coffee with Colin and all the questions I wanted to ask. I can go to the date where we had coffee and all the information that you gave me is written there. If you write it down, you will see it more. It'll become more clear and you will be able to, you know, form that end goal uh, from what you write down. Uh, yeah, I wholeheartedly believe in that. If it, it, I keep a journal with me, I'm starting to now move into a space where I'm thinking about keeping a journal for each different project just to keep it more organized. So Definitely. like having a podcast journal, having a YouTube channel journal, yeah. uh, having like a general big ideas journal, just, to, just because that for me, once you write it down, it becomes a lot more real. Definitely. You have an idea, you put it on paper, it becomes real now. Okay, now I can actually write under that. What's the next step after that? Who Exactly. Usually for me, um, a lot of times I make a list of people I could talk to about the idea just to get the conversation going. Agreed. Um, that's really helpful for me just to say, okay, like, you know, I, I want to make a uh, documentary about sports. Okay, who do I know in the sports space who could help, right. you know, push me in that extra? And do I know anyone who's actually made a sports documentary who I could talk to and just hear about them? Um, and that will push me into, into step two. Right. Um, which is, you know, okay, what, what are the action steps exactly. I need to take? Okay, so a after you talk to people about it, or at least for me, when I you know talk to people about the idea and start to gain some more information, I can actually understand what the next 
logical step would be, which would be, you know, if it's an idea of making a video or maybe it's an idea of, you know, making a skateboard company, mm-hmm. you know, for me, the first step, let's, let's take that as an example for me, like, okay, well, we wanted to create skateboards. So first step was like writing down, okay, what are all the things I need to know? What, 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 what is this idea? What's going to happen here? Well, first we had to actually like make skateboards, right? right? So we had to make a sample and then look up online, just simple Google search, like who makes skateboards here in LA? Can I call them and get information? Now I get information, write things down, understand, um, you know, all of my different options of how I can take this into action. Right. Um, that helps you evaluate the best path Definitely. from there to take the next step. Once you take that step, once you take the step into the creation, when you put something in your hands and start creating, in my opinion, that's when the real um, ideation starts. Right. Because then you actually know what is possible. Right. Once you have your hands on the skateboard materials and you're, mm-hmm. you're looking at the different pieces of the of the board itself, you're like, okay, I actually understand what can happen, and now that's going to spark way more ideas for me. Definitely, and I think that's the the big chunk of any project is the time to perform. Right. Mm-hmm. You've you sent all the emails, you've got the materials, and now it's time to put the skateboards together and then deliver. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so you got to dig in and you got to do the work. And I yeah. think that's where a lot of people end up struggling is, you know, they'll do all the pre-work, they'll send the cold email, they'll do the coffee, and then they get to the actual work and it just seems insurmountable. But like you said, it's making a list and then checking off, incremental change, doing the small things that advance you so that you can keep going. Right. Yeah. I mean, even this podcast, right? Like we could never ideate about this podcast until we've done multiple podcasts. Exactly. You can't and come up with new that's ideas. That's the catch-22 yeah, of, of it is. every creative project is, I don't know what it's going to look like until I film it, but if I don't know what it's going to look like, how can I film it? Mm-hmm. And it's it's what you and Colin talk about every time you're editing is, you know, you've taken all this footage and this, the real storytelling doesn't even take place until you start editing it. 100%, right? yeah. It, it's exactly right. Yeah, so like w- once you start in the process, then your ideas start flowing, right? right? And then you, then you can refine and fine t- uh, fine-tune it the idea. And the thing is that a lot of people um, right now are feeling like, or I, I think at least for me, I'll speak for myself here, that a lot of times when I was younger, I thought an idea had to be fully baked and perfect before I could even put it out into the world. And that I, I wasn't comfortable with putting out ideas that were always working, like a work in progress. But the reality is today in the world we live in with the opportunity we have you know, we can start uploading a podcast. You can start uploading YouTube videos. And that I think takes you to step three. Once you put the idea um, into action, make it into like get your hands dirty and actually do some of the work. Now step three is time, time and patience. Definitely. Keep doing it on a consistent basis. Exactly. Be consistent with executing that idea exactly. and it will grow over time. That time might be one month, it might be six months, and it might be five years. Right. But if you are consistent with executing that idea, over time that will really come to life. Definitely. And the consistency, what goes along with that is you'll watch yourself grow, but you need to take the time to reflect and then to plan. So at the end of each day or the end of each goal or then the end of each task, you need to reflect on what you did well and what worked and what didn't work and then use those things to grow and then plan for the steps that you still have to go. Mm, I like that a lot. Yeah, that, that's a really important step. We'll call that step four. Definitely. I think we've made something that makes sense with like a four-step yeah, idea I process. <laughs> but yeah, you know, step four would be uh, reflecting on it and then, you know, using that to actually um, add into your project. Like to, okay, I'm going to 
here, here's what happened. Here's like the feedback that I'm getting and here's how I'm going to change exactly um, over time. So I think that for me, as I reflect on a lot of ideas that have come to life, that's it's oftentimes what happens. It's not like you go in with that, that plan all the time, but that's just naturally what starts to happen. Exactly. It happens with every YouTube video. It happens with every idea Colin and I have. Um, and it's happening with this podcast. Um, and so we just wanted to share that with you guys today. We think it's, it's this really awesome, it, it's just this really awesome project that we've taken on this podcast. Um, the way we met Maddie is the way we like to meet everyone. Someone comes to us with an idea, we connect with them over content, um, and, and we decide to take it to the next level and actually collaborate on something together and then grow over time. We grow our, our friendship and our, our working relationship over time. And we end up growing a project, uh, with that, like a, a content series with that. Exactly. And I'll reiterate that I am, I am proof that Colin and Samir's creativity through their YouTube channel and now through this podcast, they are reaching people like me who were struggling creatively and are changing their lives to become more creative and feel more fulfilled. Like I said, I've taken lessons that they've put on their YouTube channel and you know from guests on this podcast, and I've put them into my career and they've changed my life. And I appreciate that. And I appreciate you having me on today. Man. That's, that's really awesome to hear. I mean, that's, that's definitely the goal that, that we have is to connect with people and, um, help them realize their, their ideas and, and, and help them put that into action. Um, so yeah, so if, uh, the, the last thing I'll say here is that, um, if, if you do have an idea, whether it's, you know, towards us or towards someone else, think a little bit about what we talked about with cold emails and how to, how to actually do that, um, you know, think about making lists, think about um, all these different pieces. Your ideas can happen. Um, you just have to put a little bit of strategy and a little bit of thought into them and they can take place. That's it for this week's episode of the Colin and Samir podcast. We hope you found that conversation interesting. We hope you were able to pull some tips for yourself. If you have an idea that you want to take into action, or if you have a message that you want to send someone, we hope you were able to pull some advice from this podcast. As always, if you have any questions, comments, or you just want to connect with us, you can send us a cold email or maybe a cold tweet. We are at Colin and Samir across all of our platforms and Colin and Samir at gmail.com on our email. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast, subscribe to us on YouTube, and if you have any feedback for us, make sure to leave a review. All right, that's it. 